Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Our Life Study of Genesis today brings us once again to Chapter 35, and here to help us with it is Ed Marks. Ed, it's really nice to have you back again. It's a pleasure to be back to talk about the riches of Christ in the book of Genesis. Ed, chapter 35 means that we're going to remain today at Bethel, the house of God. During the message today, Witness Lee, again, will use the term church life. We've had it in the past, and this is in reference to the place or condition that we as believers need to be to experience God in a full way. But I wonder if you would take a moment and define what is meant by this term church life and how it differs from just Christians going to church. Yes, the thought of going to church actually is a traditional concept, and this concept is actually a corruption. Because when you say we need to go to church, that means you look at the church as a physical building or a physical place. But the New Testament tells us that the church is not a place. The church is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is only one. There is only one body of Christ. Now, since the church is the body of Christ and we are members of the body of Christ, we need to live a life in the body of Christ and for the body of Christ. This is what we call the church life. We need to live in the body and for the body. You know, the believers are the members of the body of Christ. And so everything we do, we need to depend on the members of the body, we need to serve the members of the body, and we need to build up the body of Christ. In our meeting life and in our daily life, everything is for the church life. And our living out of Christ is for the church life, is for the body life. Uh, I would also like to say uh, one other thing about the church life, our living a church life This is to live in a way of oneness with all the believers in Christ. The early believers in the New Testament, there were no denominations. There was no Baptist church. There was no Presbyterian church. There was no Catholic church. There was simply the church, the church, which is the body. When we receive Christ, when we're born again, we become members of the one body of Christ, We become members of the unique church of God. So when the believers met, they simply met as the church where they were. The church is not a name. The church is a description of what the believers are. So we have the church in Antioch, the church in Thessalonica, and the church in Jerusalem. The church is 
the body of Christ. And this body of Christ is expressed practically in localities where believers live the body life and live the church life. So, Ed, the church then includes all the believers in that place. That's right. According to the New Testament, all the believers in a locality are members of the church in that locality, the expression of the one body of Christ in that locality. Thank you, Ed. Let's join Witness Lee for today's life study from Genesis 35. Now we come to the promise of God. This term sounds quite common to our ears. But uh, actually, here in this portion of the word, God's promise is not so common. Here it tells us the promising God is the God all-sufficient. I must uh, call your attention to the uh, revelation of God's titles. If you read Genesis 1 carefully, you could see there, in the first chapter of the Bible, the title of God is only revealed as God, Elohim, only God, nothing else. Then you go on from chapter 1 of Genesis to uh, chapter 2 of Genesis, you could see another divine title is more revealed. That is Jehovah. Of course, in King James, it says the Lord. The Lord is not the clear translation. It should be Jehovah. So in chapter 1 of Genesis, you have God, Elohim, revealed. And in chapter 2, you have Jehovah revealed. If we read those two chapters under the light, we could see God Elohim is the divine title for God's creation, for God as a creator. Then in chapter 2, you could see the title of God, Jehovah, is revealed for God's relationship with man. But this divine title, the all-sufficient God, or the God all-sufficient, is not revealed until chapter 17. In chapter 17, the Lord came to Abraham, saying, I am the God all-sufficient. And you all know what was the occasion there. Abraham was called by God with a purpose that what Abraham might be a father of so many called ones of God. You have to read chapter 17 again and again. You could see God is all sufficient for what? For you and me to produce the materials for God's help. And Jacob encounters here the God of promise with the title, the All-Sufficient One. And this is a title that God had previously used in one of his appearings to Abraham. Is there any connection between God revealing himself with this title to Jacob here and his use of the same title with Abraham? 
Yes, we need to compare these two records of God appearing to Abraham in Genesis 17 as the all-sufficient one with his appearing to Jacob in Genesis 35 as the all-sufficient one also. You know, in the New Testament, the New Testament in Philippians 1.19 uses this marvelous term, the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. This is God as the all-sufficient one. He dispenses himself into us as the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, what happens when we receive this bountiful supply and when we're filled with the Spirit in a daily way? Well, if we look at these two records of Abraham's experience and Jacob's experience, what we see is that when God manifested himself to them as the all-sufficient one, their names were changed. Abraham originally was Abram, A-B-R-A-M. His name was changed from Abram to Abraham. And Jacob's name was changed from Jacob to Israel. The change of names indicates a change of their being. When God is dispensed into you as the all-sufficient one with his bountiful supply, he transforms you into another being, into a new being. So this indicates transformation. The name Abram means exalted father. The name Abraham means the father of a great multitude. When God in Christ as the bountiful supply of the Spirit is dispensed into you, he transforms you from an exalted individual into a multiplied person. You get changed from an exalted person into a person who becomes the father of a great multitude, into a fruit-bearing person who brings forth other people for the building up of the body of Christ. Jacob, his name means heel holder. Jacob was a heel holder. He was a supplanter. His name got changed to Israel, which means a prince of God. This is what God, as the all-sufficient one, does when he's dispensed into us. He transforms us from heel holders, from supplanters, into princes of God. Also, when we compare these two records, we see that when God appeared to both Abraham and Isaac, He promised that they would be multiplied. He said to Abraham, his seed would be as the dust of the ground. And with Jacob, he said his seed would bring forth nations with kings. This all shows us that at Bethel, what God as the all-sufficient one is for, he's for the building of God's house. How is God's house built up? God's house, which is the church, as the body of Christ, is built up by our being transformed with and in God as the all-sufficient one and by us being a fruit-bearing person for God's multiplication. So we have the increase of God as the all-sufficient one within us and the outflow of God as the all-sufficient one from us to bring forth many people for the multiplication of Christ and for the building up of God's house. Thank you, Ed. Let's return to Witness Lee for more of today's life study. Genesis 17 and Genesis 35, these two chapters correspond very much. 
Number one, both of these two chapters reveal that God is all sufficient. God said to Abraham, "I am the all sufficient God," and here God said the same thing to Jacob, "I am the all sufficient God." Number one. Number two, have you noticed in both of these two chapters the change of name occurred? Abraham got the change of his name, and Jacob the same. And we all have seen clearly change of name in the spiritual life means what transformation to change your real being. Right? You were Abraham, but now you got to be Abraham. You were supplanting Jacob. But now you got to be a wrestler of God, Israel, right? It is not just a changing of the label, but the changing of your being, right? Of your constitution. Have you seen in the whole Old Testament? I tell you, only these two occasions tell us the same thing. Chapter seventeen telling us. Ah, the transformation of Abraham, and chapter thirty-five, the transformation of Israel. Then number three, you must be clear about this. You read the promise God gave to Abraham. Here is repeated in the promise God gave to Jacob. Have you noticed? The promise God gave to Jacob in chapter twenty-eight at the first experience of Bethel was very indefinite. Very indefinite.、Uh, it says what? It says your seed will increase as the dust. You must learn to know the Bible by the Bible itself. The best way is to compare. Oh, chapter twenty-eight. God came the first in a dream to promise Jacob in the way that his seed will be like dust. But now, in chapter thirty-five, the second time in the actual experience of Bethel, God came to promise Jacob in what、uh, in an advanced way. No more dust. It's mentioned. Dust now become nations with kings. You see, learn to know the Bible in this way. Now, by doing this, sure you can see my what God promised Jacob here in chapter thirty-five was exactly a repetition of God's promise to Abraham. And the center of this promise is what is to be fruitful、uh, and multiply, to bring forth dust. No, to bring forth nations with kings. You must see these two chapters. I say again, correspond one to another in three things. In the divine title, the all-sufficient God, and、uh, in the changing of the human names, also 
in the multiplication for bringing forth the nations with the kings. Now you can see this divine title, the all-sufficient God, is for what? Is for the building of God's house. Are you going to experience God as the all-sufficient one? Are you? If you are, you have to realize you could never experience all-sufficient God in an individualistic way. No, you can't. You can't. If you are going to uh, experience the all-sufficient God, I tell you, you've got to be in Basel, in the house of God, in the church life. Ed, in the introduction today, you gave us a definition of church life. I'd like to ask you now a direct question. Why is it not possible to have the experience of the all-sufficient God in an individual way? Why do we need the church life for this experience? Yes, we have to remember this and see this, that if we're going to experience the all-sufficient God, if we're going to experience the bountiful supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, we have to be in the church life. We have to be in the body life. And I would just like to mention one verse which shows us this very succinctly, and that is Ephesians 4.16. Ephesians 4.16 says that out from Christ as the head, all the body causes the growth of the body unto the building up of itself in love. Now, what this shows is that the body itself causes the growth of itself, and the growth of the body is the building up of the body. But how does that take place? This verse tells us that it's through the joints of the rich supply and the operation and measure of each one part. So the point is this, in order for us to grow, in order for us to get the rich supply of Christ as the all-sufficient God, we need to live in the body of Christ because it's in the body of Christ that we enjoy this supply. In the body, you have the joints of the rich supply. You can't get that supply of God as the all-sufficient one unless you're in a body life, unless you have a meeting life in fellowship with other believers who are living a church life. We need the gifted members as the joints of the rich supply to supply us with God as the all-sufficient one. We also need all the parts in the body of Christ. We need the operation and measure of each one part. We need to be open to all the members of the body of Christ to receive the supply of God as the all-sufficient one. If we don't live in the body, if we live in an individualistic, isolated way, we will miss the supply in the body of Christ, which is the supply of the all-sufficient God. So this is not to say that there's no experience of God, but certainly related, livingly, in the body, there's a special portion. That's right. We do experience the all-sufficient God in a personal way, but this personal experience is very limited. And we need to realize this personal experience is for the corporate experience. It's when we have a corporate experience that we can experience God in his all-sufficiency to the uttermost. Thank you, Ed. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of this life study.
Now, let's go on a little bit. You read the history of Jacob in his uncle's country. In Pidan Aram, I tell you, there was no promise of God to Jacob. No, not at all. Why? Was there a change of God? God never changes. Why there was no promise to Jacob in Peter and Aaron? Because that was not the place that God can give his promise to his caller. Jacob's position was wrong. Peter and Aaron was not the place there was no position for God's people to receive God's promise. No. To receive God's promise, there is the absolute need of a proper position. Outside the church life, or beside the church life, I tell you, you don't have the position. You don't have the position to receive God's promise. Peter and Aaron was not the place for God to come to promise his call ones. Then Jacob came back from Peter and Aaron, back to, to the good land. But we all have seen he stopped at Sikut. You know, Sikut means what? Boots. B-O-O-T-H-S. Boots. Because he built many boats for his cattle, right? And that was a place east of Jordan. Not the best part of the Golan. It is a, a kind of border line. He was there. Was there any promise? No promise. You see, even no altar was built there. We saw this clearly. Then... He went on from Sikot to what? Sikot. Well, he built an altar, as we have seen, but not huh, at the place of God's desire. Right? He built an altar at the place of his own satisfaction, not at a place of God's satisfaction. So, God raised up the circumstances to uh, disturb him. Rather, I would say, to stir him up. We know this. Then, God's word came in, telling him, arise and go up to Bethel. So, you can see, in all those places, Peter and Aaron, Sekot, Sikon, no, until, I tell you, Jacob came to Basel. Only Basel is the place that God could promise his people. I do believe many among us contested with the same thing. We never got such a solid promise as we have experienced so many times in the church life. Now, <laughs> I have to check with you. These promises given by God and received by us in the church life, 
tell me, all these promises are for what? Don't forget, all these promises are for God's people. Well, Ed, God gave his highest promise to Jacob at Bethel. What does this signify, and why does God reserve his best for his children when they finally arrive at Bethel? What we need to see here is that Bethel is the place of God's satisfaction. God's satisfaction is his house, which is the church, which is the body of Christ. God's heart's desire is to build up the church. In Matthew 16, 18, he made a marvelous promise. Actually, this is a prophecy. He said, I will build my church. This is God's career. What is he doing today? What does he desire to do? He wants to build up the church as the house of God. When we come back to God's original intention, when we come back to Bethel, we come back to the place of God's satisfaction. And this is where God reserves his best for his children. You know, to those of us who are listening to this broadcast, I hope that we would all make a fresh consecration for God's purpose, which is to build up Bethel, to build up the house of God, to build up the church. Uh, In order for us to do this, we need to come back to the unique ground of oneness, meeting as the church, standing on the ground of oneness so that we can be one with all of God's children. Psalm 133 tells us in a marvelous way that when brothers dwell together in oneness, they enjoy the commanded blessing of life. It's when we meet on the ground of oneness, when we meet as the church, when we receive all the genuine children of God who are the members of the body of Christ, we come back to God's intention to build up the church. And it's there where we receive the commanded blessing of the all-sufficient God as our life. Ed, thank you for your fellowship today on this very rich and significant portion in God's Word. Look forward to having you back. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. 
Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.